0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Lane Kawaoka about scaling and building a successful team in a wealth management organization. Lane Kawaoka, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Jonathan. Aloha, everybody. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Uh, I was looking back through my back catalog, and it looks like we had our first conversation in the summer uh, where you shared a little bit about your your journey, your your background, and the path you took in your own personal development and your own career development. Today, we're going to be focusing... uh, on a, with a slightly different angle, talking about your current organization that you've been building and how you have gone ab- about building a successful team within a wealth management organization. Uh, and as we were talking in the pre-interview, uh, just getting caught up and kind of framing out this episode, you know, it, it came up that I think it, this is will be of particular interest uh, to listeners who kind of have that more boutique approach in their own organizations and their consulting um, clientele. Uh, And so hopefully this will be a really uh, insightful conversation that will help other individuals think about how they build out their their teams and reach out to clients with a real customer centric orientation um, to drive value in the market. As we get started, I just wanted to share Lane's bio with everybody. Lane Kawaoka currently owns 3,500 plus units across the US. He lives in Hawaii and recently quit his day job as a professional engineer with an MS in civil engineering and construction management and a BS in industrial engineering. Lane partners with investors who want to build their portfolio, but are too busy to mess with tenants, toilets, and termites, as he refers to it, by curating opportunities in his who a Deal Pipeline Club, where his investors have personal access to him and know that Lane is personally putting his money on the line too. The Pipeline Club Pipeline Club has acquired over 255 million dollars of real estate acquired by syndicating over 25 million dollars of private equity since 2016, and Lane reverse engineers the wealth building strategies that the rich use to the middle class via the top 50 investing podcast, simplepassivecashflow.com. Lane's mission is to help hardworking professionals out of the rat race, one free strategy call at a time. Uh, again, it's great to have you back, Lane, and I'm excited to talk a little bit more in detail about your organization, what you're doing to help your clients, and how you're building out your team uh, to be, uh, an, you know, to create an effective organization. Before we launch into that conversation, anything Uh, that you would like to share with listeners by way of your personal background? um, Any context around what we're going to be discussing today?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of learning at this too, right? I think it's going to be a great conversation. Um, I, like I said, my first life was a professional engineer, working more in the construction industry. actually built railroad. Um, So I was a construction supervisor of, you know, blood, blue collar SAF guys in their 50s and 60s without a college or maybe even a high school degree, a little bit different uh, leadership style works, uh, but that's where I kind of cut my teeth, um, leading people, but it doesn't necessarily help me uh, or transfer directly over to working with white collar staff as I am today, you know, working. we. Currently own forty five hundred rental units. Uh, we have operation side, and then I have my coaching and consulting side, where we work with other high net worth individuals to work with their, their money, and you know, getting those folks straightened away with the with staff. It's it's not quite your uh, spike driving uh, laborer or your machine operator anymore. Um, but yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, let's dive into this.
0: Very cool. Yeah, and and for anyone who's who may have not caught our previous episode. Uh, Lane uh, really talked in more depth uh, in that previous episode over the summer about his background and kind of uh, his his journey and trajectory and, and the reason why he he took the path he did, ultimately finding himself where he is at today. So that could be a a, a useful contextual uh, episode if you're if you're really interested in what we're talking about today. Okay, so now zooming back to the present, and we're talking about your your current organization. Um, tell us a little bit more about how it's grown. You already referred to kind of the different divisions, the different pieces of what you're doing, but how have you built it out and developed it organizationally into its, its different areas of focus. And then we can start talking about how you started to identify the needs, um, towards building out your team and, and what went into that process.
1: Yeah. So originally, you know, we used a lot of, um, third-party property managers, Um, which also have their staff at our, all our properties, you know, the person at the leasing office. um, But they roll up to their HR department and their respective companies. We have sort of a dotted line um, sort of management over them. Um, So, and then we also have other contractors to kind of help me out. But as we've kind of moved along, we've kind of brought a lot of these positions in staff. Um, We still scale with our property management firm, which is a separate entity, but, you know a lot of my in-house marketing and customer service staff has kind of been taken over in-house that's been kind of the general transition over the term Um, you know I mean I I think any young company starting out you're trying to build the systems you don't know it right so I think that's where logically a contractor firm comes in you know they have a lot of the the systems processes built in they just need to plug into your organizations your style and how you do it but I think at at some point you maybe come go full cycle and you start to do it in-house now maybe kind of the backup I mean I was talking to someone the other day kind of getting started you know they they don't really do any like you got to get yourself off the ground first right you got to do it yourself right like anybody else then I think you start to transition to contracting it out paying people whatever it costs. It might be a like a quarterly fee, annual fee or pay per hour. But I think you've got to figure out how that person does it, build a system and process it the way you want it. And then you have to bring in your own in-house. And I think that's the full cycle, right?
0: Yeah. I, and I think that's a really great description. And that's, that's what I've seen um, personally play out as I've um, built out my organization as well. And, you know, reaching out to clients and such. And you really, you start boot, by bootstrapping, right? And you're just kind of figuring things out as you go. And you're doing as much by yourself as you can. You start to bring in other collaborators. Uh, over time, you start to build out, you know, contracting infrastructure. And then uh, eventually you get to the point where, yeah, you need to hire employees to start doing that work. So as you've found yourself, you know, going full circle and getting to that stage, um, how did you start to identify you know, which positions you could still contract out or have third parties do versus which ones you wanted to bring in house first and hire for? How did you go through that process?
1: Yeah, I mean, typically, the, the, the general lens I would look through is if a position is more of kind of a grunt worker, right? It's very repeatable. That is normally the position you start to bring in house first, the more technical positions. And you know this this can kind of be very like you know when you're building railroad like the signal equipment right it's very technical it's not a person right but it's equipment it changes a lot those are the things that you you kind of look to contract out right if, if you're you know you're still kind of going with this blended approach but yeah you gotta start somewhere so look for those things that are just kind of the grunt worker the the repeatable tasks over and over again first and then slowly move to more of those technical tasks or you may choose a hybrid approach where you have a certain base of in-house workers and then you outsource certain things as industry changes right like marketing marketing is sort of the same thing as technology things change a lot right like linkedin may not work it may be TikTok, right or whatever is coming up the, around the block you know your your marketing channel will change and that is where if you don't have systems and processes for people to run it You're going to need to interchange contractors. And what's great about a contractor, you don't feel guilty about firing them, right? You just get another one. That's their job. That's why they're in that business. And that's why they charge a little bit more than doing it in-house typically.
0: Yeah, and and as you were describing that, uh, a way that I think about it, uh, and it depends on the business, depends on the organization, right? You described it as kind of the repeatable tasks, uh, types of jobs. And that would be a reason why you bring someone in Uh, to hire them in house. I think of it in terms of what, what are like the core competencies and capabilities that your organization um, needs to be able to do. And those are the things that you have to do every day. Right. And in some cases it's grunt work, you know, kind of manual labor type stuff uh, or tedious office type work. Uh, But in other cases, it it could be anything really, but it's, it's the, it's the, whatever's at the core of what the organization does consistently all the time. That that's enough to justify hiring somebody, um, you know, bringing them, bringing the position in house and actually hiring someone to do that. But when you need highly technical skills that often are shifting and changing, and it's only something that you need to do every so often, it would never make sense to hire you know, someone full time or even part time to do that, and so you contract out. You um, you, you find other ways to get th- to get that expertise and to get those things done. And I and I think that's a, you know that is a healthy way to think about how we scale a business over time, so that we don't get bogged down in high fixed you know costs and labor costs that can really drag us down, and rather just focus on what what are the things that we need to be able to do and perform consistently day in day out to to add value to the market we're going to build our team around that and then over time depending on how much we scale you know we might have to bring in other areas of expertise as well or we may just continue like you said with a hybrid approach and ultimately you know uh, get the best of both worlds you know where we where we can have this ever changing kind of technical expertise external to the to the company that we contract out and we have our core group of people in the organization that can help it to to run smoothly on a regular basis does that sound consistent and fair with what right. you're describing hey. i'm excited to announce Will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities, and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life.
1: I mean, it, it's you got to have some sort of you know base level way to kind of look how you strategize, how you use these positions. Another way of looking at it too. And I've kind of taken this from um, past companies in much different industry is you keep the in-house staff, the managers, right? But you bring in the technical staff under them to work under the person, right? That's another way of doing it. You bring in the contractors under your in-house person who guides them, the owner's rep in that yeah. circumstance.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's a that's a good way to frame it and to to think through. You know, anyone listening who you're you're struggling with the same questions about growth and scaling and and staffing strategies. You know, these are a few different kinds of ways of thinking about it and, and different approaches. Um, so now let's zoom in and you know focus specifically on your organization. Um, so now you're starting. You know, you're you're recognizing you're growing, you're scaling, you're recognizing the need to bring in people in house. And you've identified those those positions that are going to be most important. Um, where are you at today in terms of your staffing and, and the size of your team? And what are some of the other considerations that have gone into how you've gone through this, the, the process of recruiting and selecting and getting you know that team put together?
1: Yeah. So right now, I'm kind of building up that first ring and rung around me, right? Like the idea is not one person can manage more than four to five people at a time Direct. Um, chain of command. Um, you you see it out there. You see very like uh, I guess wide org structures. But in traditional management, I mean, you're not really giving your support and it's the time, right? And that's what you really should be doing: um, mentoring, coaching, um, and then providing them with the support. And if if that's the theory, I mean, you, I'm trying to build that first ring around me first, right? And then maybe these persons can get coached up, trained up about the culture and then ultimately have people under them. But unless you bring people on the bus, see who wants to stay on the bus, you don't, you don't start to build this for a stringy, You start You don't start to exponentially grow from there. So that's kind of an important growing pain that I'm kind of moving through now. Um, you know, I kind of run a small organization. So I'm kind of very close to kind of the end game and sort of where I want my mature org structure to be. Whereas someone who is running a much larger, you know, maybe 30, 40, 50 uh, staff members you're going to have to expedite this a little bit or, and it's just going to t- take a while, but, you know, that's kind of the first, the first way of kind of going about it. You know, you got to start to build that, that first group and, you know, like people, people have come and gone um, maybe because we paid them to a little bit or they just weren't a good fit, or maybe we just didn't have our own systems onboarding system and processes put together that they didn't want to work for us. You know, you never know, right. It's either us or the people, you know, it is what it is, but, um, You know, I think it's a matter of just figuring out who's a good match, who's really like going to put in more work than you pay them ultimately. That's what you want as a business owner.
0: Yeah, you're looking for potential in the people that you hire, and you know, ultimately, it's it's not about you know exploitation of people, but when you're talking about exempt uh, positions, you know, they're, they're non non overtime positions. Um, yeah, you want people with passion, with energy, who are willing to do what it takes to get the job done. Uh, you know, whether you know they they can get it done in forty hours or it takes fifty or sixty hours. Ultimately, uh, you know, we want our workers to you know work in a sustainable fashion so they don't don't get burned out and they don't leave. But other than that, you know, get people doing. The types of things they're good at that they enjoy doing, and and you're going to to be able to leverage that passion. And that's really what startups and that young um, growth companies who are starting to scale what they really need in that core group. Like you said, that that first rung around you, you need you know really great people uh, to be in those positions because they're, they're going as you continue to scale, they're they're going to be the individuals that are going you're going to start to build the outer rings around. Um, and if you don't have the right people there, uh, you know, you're going to have headaches and you're going to falter along that growth trajectory. Uh, so I think that's also a really important point. Um, you know, get, get people who are willing, especially in a young company, in a small growing company, people who are willing to put in the time and the effort and recognize that there are going to be sacrifices along the way towards that growth. Um, but ultimately, you know, there's going to be payoffs for this, those sacrifices, right? And that's that's why we get into our careers and we do what we do. Uh, ultimately, there's always those trade-offs and there's always those sacrifices. And ultimately we, we have to decide, you know, if I'm a business owner and trying to scale my business, I just have to decide um, how am I going to sweeten the pot? What am I willing to do for my people? Um, and hopefully you find that nice balance where you get the right people on the bus sitting in the right seats with a good fit with, with a shared purpose with the right skills and capacities to be able to help the organization move forward. And, and it, you know, you start to just mesh and that that's what we want. It's not always easy to happen. You know, it's not always easy to achieve. You, you mentioned even, you know, that you've had people come and go because sometimes it's just not the right fit. And I think that's, that's important for us to recognize from the employer end if someone's not a good fit, because that can drag down an organization, especially one that's trying to grow. Um, but it's also important as, as an employee, you know, thinking about my own career, I need to be thinking about fit. And ultimately, we want to find alignment both directions so that everyone feels like they're winning with this, this employment arrangement, right?
1: Right, right. I mean, I, I kind of take it upon myself. I mean, as the leader, I take accountability that I'd say most times I'm going to take the blame for if something not working out. And I know my, minority of the time that it's the person, right? And That's whether that's right or wrong. That's the mindset that I'm going to go in. And it's important that it's my job to kind of lead and manage them the right way. And part of that is having a, a mission behind it, right? They're not just coming to work every day and kind of doing a bunch of mundane tasks that are, or maybe playing project manager with this interesting project here or there. But these tasks, these projects have to add up to some sort of mission. And for us, it's, you know, there's a lot of bad financial advice put out there by financial planners, by what our parents taught us, buy a house to live in, invest in retirement accounts. You know, I mean, that's what kind of the basis of my, like my path, like I started, investing in real estate right out of college and I was able to quit my day job in 10 years doing it right so for us is to be able to teach that to people and get them away from the wall street mentality um, and help good hard-working people right like that's what I tell my folks like we're just helping good hard-working people get on the, the real path to financial freedom and get them freedom from this this normal 40, 50 year plan where they just get slaughtered. They just get they have to work their butts off and pay a lot of taxes along the road. Now that's something that somebody can get behind, right? They they sympathize with hardworking people because they're hardworking. And you know, we're also helping them the same way we're helping our clients, but like they they see that in just they want to make the situation right. And that's kind of our core mission. And that's something that not everybody gets behind. Some people really like it, you know. Like that's why we try and look for folks that kind of align with our style, of like you know the Robin Hood mentality. You know, steal from the rich, rob for the poor, in a way. I like um, it. <laughs> you, know, create, you know, create this. You know, the, the, create the righteous justice that is. You know, that hardworking people can get ahead. But the truth is, middle class America are the ones screwed over. They're the ones paying all the taxes that the wealthy don't and they're paying all the taxes for the poor people, right, who get the get the benefit of government entitlement programs.
0: Yeah, so I mean, the, that passion, that purpose, I, I, that really is so important, and it, it's different for every organization, right? For your organization, it's about wealth, um, growth, and, and wealth development, and finding, you know, ways to do that, and, you know, name any organization, and hopefully they have their vision, their passion, their purpose, and hopefully that Resonates and connects with the people who work there, and if it doesn't, you have misalignment, and ultimately causes problems for everybody. Everybody. So, absolutely, when when I'm looking for someone to join my team, you know, I want someone who believes in what the organization is about, um, what we're trying to accomplish, and that that's almost as important as the 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 background that they have and the skills that they have, Um, because you know you you can. You can teach um, skills. You can't always get people to get on board in terms of values and purpose and passion, right? And the energy and just the work ethic and everything that goes into launching a successful business. Uh, so ultimately, I, th- I I think that's that's an excellent focus. And you've talked about mentoring and coaching, and you know taking personal accountability and responsibility for the success and the failures of the organization. I think those are all really healthy mentalities to have as we try to lead our organizations and grow and scale them over time. Well, Lane, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. The time has flown by, Um, but before we close today, I do want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your company and uh, anything else that you would like to say as we wrap things up and just give the final word on the topic for the day.
1: Yeah. So we offer um, education for folks wanting to build their Real estate portfolio, whether that's a rental property out of state, remotely, where the numbers make sense, or jumping into an opportunity alongside with, with us, partnering with with us, um, they can go to my podcast, Simple Passive Cashflow, uh, Passive Investing, or go to simplepassivecashflow.com uh, or reach out to me. My email is lane at simplepassivecashflow.com.
0: Wonderful, thank you, Lane. It has been a real pleasure. I, I enjoy talking with you every time we get a chance. Uh, I, you're welcome back on the podcast anytime. I hope listeners will reach out, get connected with Lane, find out more about his company, what they can do to help you develop yourselves, your your wealth, your your, uh, your resources to achieve your life goals. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.